0: Hello and welcome to episode six of the Impact Fashion Podcast. I'm Chitabem. This week, the format for the podcast is a little bit different to the others in the series. It was inspired by a number of things and other podcasts, namely NPR's Life Kit and Shankar Vedantam's Hidden Brain. If you've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, you might remember Jennifer Ong of Stout Theory saying this in the first episode.
1: Also hygiene was another big concern, right? Um, that was going to be a people, question. <laughs> yeah, because people people feel like super nervous to like rent clothes, and they're like, oh, maybe someone else touched it. How do I know that Style Theory has like properly sanitized all of this? So,
0: hygiene concerns have long been one of the main barriers for us everyday people to engage with clothing rental, and it seems that the pandemic might have exacerbated these concerns.
1: Unfortunately, um, the COVID pandemic has actually potentially reinforced some of these fears. So perhaps it could be if you do touch something that someone's worn before, perhaps you could catch COVID. Um, and I think even though the WHO have come out and said, it's very unlikely that these things spread through materials, especially if there's you know, a good um, you know 72 hours before wearing, it's still definitely a challenge. And I was speaking to someone recently at the Her Collective, which is a, a rental um, platform, and they said they'd certainly had much more questions around kind of um, hygiene, et cetera. And one of the things they've done is kind of advise people, um, you know, how to clean the product, um, etc. So it's more about kind of reassurance, I think.
0: That was Rebecca Klube, my guest this week. She's a PhD researcher at Imperial College London, who's been looking into the impact of hygiene concerns on clothing rental. With clothing rental estimated to grow and become worth about £2 billion in 2023, and the opportunity it presents us to reduce our environmental impact, It is important that as we think about and work towards a world post-pandemic, fashion rental companies are proactive in addressing these concerns because the success of fashion rental is dependent on it. So with June 21st, the date which has been earmarked for the UK government to ease restrictions, drawing closer, I wanted to produce a how to s guide to support businesses as they navigate clothing rental in a world where there might be increased demand because we will want to go to all the places and see everyone we might have missed in the last year and i'm sure we'll want to do that in a stylish and conscious manner so here is my conversation with rebecca about her research and at the end of this episode there is a summary of the key takeaways for fashion rental companies to address hygiene concerns i hope you enjoyed the episode and if you like what you hear so far click subscribe And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Impact Fashion UK. Enjoy. So thank you so much for joining me me today, Rebecca.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Could you just briefly talk about how the question of hygiene impacts um, clothing rental uh, as well as the purchase of of second-hand clothes?
1: So I think it's good to start by just acknowledging that a lot of research into um, circular business models, including that of rental and Um, peer-to-peer sharing often focus on the reasons for accepting these new innovations. But actually there's not much research um, to look at the paradox of the fact that there's a really high failure rate of new business models and we don't actually look at the reasons for rejection. So my research really found kind of anecdotally that yes, hygiene and um, contamination issues are a bit of a problematic area in, in terms of second-hand products. And therefore, in clothing rental, this was likely to pose a bit of a challenge. So I explored this, um, this kind of, I guess, this concept of contamination. Um, so contamination has, is a mainly a psychological concept, which has got its roots in, in something called the law or theory of contagion. So the theory of contagion um, was, has been around for, for hundreds of years, and it essentially um, can be summarised as once in contact, always in contact. So this essentially means that a source can transfer its properties permanently from one object to another and such kind of becomes embedded in the character of that thing so these contamination effects can be uh, both real and imagined Um, in the context of clothing rental a real contamination effect could be something for instance like um, a physical stain or mark or even a smell um, from a previous renter whereas an imagined, imagined contamination or hygiene effect could be more about a concern that something might be on the item i.e there's lots of kind of anecdotal evidence just um, you know on blogs to say oh i don't know if i'd want to wear something that someone else wore maybe they did something weird when they were wearing it even though there might not be any evidence yeah so i think it's really important to explore these kind of real and contamination real or imagined contamination as they can result in devaluation effects i.e someone might not want to Rent because they were worried about a contamination effect. And in practice, this leads to kind of either dissatisfaction or just complete rejection of the idea of a kind of rental business model.
0: So, this the concept of kind of perceived contamination, there's no, I guess, there's no basis for people thinking that contamination has happened. So, it's not necessarily because they've had an experience where. They maybe rented something and it was contaminated.
1: Exactly so in perceived or imagined contamination it's simply the idea or the bias that something might have happened so I think I was reading um, there's some research done in car sharing and car rental and one of the reasons for not trying the service um, someone said oh what if somebody had maybe sneezed in the car and then touched their hand on the steering wheel and then now I could become Um, you know ill or infected or it's a kind of almost a fear of disgust Mm. Um, and just kind of imagining that something might be impure even though there's not necessarily any physical evidence for it in clothing rental I mean there is the problem that there potentially is evidence for it so a kind of a mark a rip a stain that kind of thing could um, potentially be seen as as a real contamination effect and could invoke these kind of fears and feelings of disgust um, so it's it's an interesting concept because yes real and real and imagined contamination are both problems um, and they can actually be react they re- the reaction can be the same um, mm. which is normally a devaluation and a negative feeling
0: how yeah how interesting so is is it always to do with hygiene or is it also around kind of i don't know what happened to that person wearing that
1: Exactly. It's kind of fear of the unknown. And I think what I've seen in rental and especially of high value kind of dress items, you know, a dress that you might wear at a wedding, is almost like you much prefer the kind of purity and the feeling that it's brand new, it's yours, nobody's touched it before. Um whereas there's a lot of, oh, what if what did they do when they were wearing this outfit? Um so yeah, there are these kind of questions that you might have in the back of your head and they kind of in a way um, devalue the feeling of you wearing that item because you don't know who's who's been interacting with it before.
0: Um, and how is the pandemic or how is the coronavirus affecting this? Or, or how do you anticipate it might affect it?
1: Yeah, so this is an interesting question. So I actually did this um, research pre-pandemic and there was this um, contagion fear and contamination fear. And many of the perceived contamination fears could be seen as very irrational. Um, but unfortunately, um, the COVID pandemic has actually potentially reinforced some of these fears. So perhaps it could be if you do touch something that someone's worn before, perhaps you could catch COVID. Um, and I think even though the WHO have come out and said it's very unlikely that these things spread through materials, especially if there's you know a good... Um, you know 72 hours before wearing it's still definitely a challenge and I was speaking to someone recently at the her collective which is a a rental um, platform and they said they'd certainly had much more questions around kind of um, hygiene etc and one of the things they've done is kind of advise people um, you know how to clean the product um, etc so it's more about kind of reassurance I think
0: what's the most interesting thing you found well you learned about it really
1: So in my research in rental, one of the things I found really surprising was that contamination instances by the consumer doesn't necessarily have to be unpleasant to cause a negative reaction. So, for instance, um, there was a few. uh, Another thing I should say is one of the ways I studied it was to look at the real lived experiences. So I went and looked at reviews and blogs and et cetera about people who have tried the service. And one thing is I found several times that people said they'd actually rejected an item that had arrived because they could smell the perfume of a previous wearer. So even though that kind of perfume wasn't inherently unpleasant, it actually just it just had this, um, I guess the reaction was that someone's worn it. It reminds me that someone's worn it and therefore it's kind of giving me the ick factor almost. The reason is is that these smells often have a temporal aspect. So if you can smell something, it normally indicates that someone's worn it quite recently. Um, so this is apparently kind of, this kind of unknown has heightened the contamination fears. And then also another one relating to smells is that is actually the rental service itself. So there's lots of instances where the consumer has tried rental for the first time and actually found laundry detergent used by the rental company has, has been really strong and had a kind of a chemical smell. So even though ironically, that was meant to decontaminate the product, product Um, or the garment, it's actually caused another kind of contamination incident in itself. So kind of the unpleasant or overpowering laundry detergent can actually put off consumers as well. So I think that's another real kind of challenge and something maybe a lot of rental companies haven't actually considered that the detergent they use and the kind of smells they apply can impact the experience of the consumer. If it's a smell unfamiliar to your own detergent Mm -hmm. or it smells really strong, they think, oh gosh, what was on this clothes that they had to use a bleach-like um, detergent to get it off? So again, it's just it's it is again probably human irrationality, but it's kind of interesting that actually, in at this point, it's the service which causes the kind of contamination concern rather than the previous renter. So it's it's really complex, um, which I think is part of the challenge. So it's getting that kind of the laundry part and the logistics really correct to in- encourage kind of consumer uptake. But yeah, the contamination concept, it really highlights the irrationality of human behaviour. Um, so on the one hand, we've got concerns of imagined contamination effects. So there's no physical objective evidence, but we still have this kind of concern or this niggling feeling. And I think that really, I mean, it's not new, its it, it relates back to kind of cultural and religious um, and spiritual um, sort of origins. Um, of kind of purity and wanting to be perfect. We also see this really odd thing that there's actually value sometimes in contamination. So think for instance, um, if a celebrity wears something or touches something, you see the value of the item actually increasing. Um, So you probably see this by just looking at eBay and seeing seeing I don't know some some ridiculous things you know someone's worn this a celebrity and suddenly it's worth a huge amount of money and there's also other contexts as well where contamination is really positive so for instance um old houses often have this kind of um you know historical impact and they're worth more than like a new build for instance and that's actually a highly contaminated object um so I always think that's another one and also around clothing in particular so pre-used um clothing is Often to do with the framing, so something that's framed as vintage is often really preferable to something that's um, labelled secondhand or pre-used. So I think there's definitely kind of this importance of language use and how kind of humans react to it, and I think that's it's, that's a really interesting part of this kind of contamination um, phenomenon.
0: That's fascinating when you talk about the wording. So you, you mentioned her, um, the her collective. What are what are you seeing that some like um, rental companies are doing? to kind of embrace some of this research if they're even doing anything on, on it?
1: Um. So yeah, lots of companies are obviously, obviously trying things. I think practically one of the things that's really important is um, reassurance. So uh, companies laying out exactly how they do their cleaning processes, mm-hmm. what they do, um, another one is How the product arrives really impacts um, the customer's perception of the object. So consistency is really key. So I've read um, a few companies in the US and and certainly some of the ones in the UK as well focus on when the product arrives, having this kind of unboxing experience um, and often kind of reattaching a new label to the item, even though it's been worn before. But essentially that gives the signal to the consumer that it's been cleaned and it feels new, even though it's potentially not. So the kind of labelling and the kind of wrapping is almost a signal of hygiene to the consumer. Another kind of, I guess, marketing tactic, which also potentially has an impact on on the way we perceive a rented item is um, the use of kind of famous and people and influencers. Mm. And so showing that they're potentially using the platform, because, again, that kind of goes back to the status and reassurance and potentially kind of gets into this kind of aspirational um, aspect. So, I think there's a lot to do with consistency and kind of expectations and reassurance, which I think is super important for the brands to adopt.
0: And have you seen so through kind of the pandemics? We talked about how um COVID kind of could a- exacerbate some of those concerns around hygiene. Mm-hmm. Have you seen rental companies change the way they're, they're messaging, Um, kind of from when you were studying it to maybe seeing some of the stuff that you're seeing now um, post? I guess, post-study and, and in the middle of the pandemic, really?
1: What's important is is previously maybe people had not paid too much attention to the contamination barrier. So as I say, lots of companies and um, marketers and you know media like to kind of stress why we should adopt new businesses and new practices such as rental and um, sharing. But now we're seeing more maybe more pushback i've had a look on one of the things i kind of do is have a look on social media and twitter and see what people are talking about this kind of service and i think it has just reinforced um concerns about contamination and i think especially one of the challenges in in the market is when cheap clothes you know you can buy a dress for 20 pounds so why would you be renting one for for 50 pounds so i think i think companies really have to pay attention to how they overcome these these challenges I'd definitely one is, is hygiene um, and laundering and having kind of consistent uh, laundry processes. That's assuming it's a rental company with a central kind of laundry facility. Um, so basically removing any signs of potential contamination. Um, I also think there's kind of a temporal aspect to it. Um, people don't like to think that they're wearing the clothes um, that someone might have worn two days before. Stressing to the consumer that this this item was worn hasn't been worn for five days might be quite reassuring to them rather than two hours ago from someone. Um, so I think this is something that companies I'm sure will be looking more closely at, but the, one of the concerns in the pandemic is um People's desire, anyway, to rent occasion wear has reduced, and that's kind of the most one of the most popular areas for for rental. So I'm not sure how much attention they've been putting to these things because there's so many challenges for the industry at the moment.
0: And how do we overcome that?
1: The barrier of contamination in general. There's there's a lot that companies can do, which is the good news. Um, So I think the kind of solutions can be categorized broadly into relating to the garment itself and also to the service. So. From my research one thing I've found is that the, the type of garment really impacts the kind of contamination challenges. So first of all as a rental company one of the, the key things to do is to avoid renting out clothes which are made by inherently hard to launder fabrics. Um, so again it, it's, it's another challenge but there's no point renting out an item which has tons of sequins on it because we all know when we've if you if you bought a secret item within a day it's caught onto something and things are you know you're losing beads and that's kind of a signal of contamination so that just shows to the renter that this item has been worn before and it's already got damage on it so that's kind of physical you know that's something we can really do is just avoiding products with um to rent out with kind of embellishment and certain fabrics um also as i mentioned earlier the first impression is so important so how it arrives with the consumer. So avoiding fabrics that in are inherently cre- high creasing, so certain silks, if they arrive by post, for instance, in a box and they're creased, that's already going to put off the consumer. So I think you have, there's there's kind of a tension here because you obviously want to provide a good range of products, but also um, you need to provide the right products that are going to last long, because also ultimately that's completely linked to the longevity of the business and how many times the item can be rented out. And then I guess relating to the service itself, I do think consistency and good customer service is is central. So the company should provide a consistent service, and this means consistent cleaning processes, reminding the consumer of the consistent. Um, cleaning is good unwrapping and unboxing experiences, and also consistent smells. So as I mentioned before, um, an unpleasant or an overpowering um, detergent can be off-putting. So having a nice, um, I guess mild, but um, a mild detergent, um, which is consistent, is really important. And, you know, businesses themselves can do testing around that. So also relating to kind of customer services, um, I think recording instances where expectations of the customer are not met and responding to them correctly is hugely important. So, for example, if a customer um, issues a complaint because they see see some physical contamination, so there's a mark or something they're unhappy with, then this should be acknowledged. And it might be con- worth considering either to take that item out of circulation or to see whether it can be repaired um, which without kind of providing another contamination instance in itself so I think yeah it's all about building confidence in terms of the service and and kind of enabling consumers to accept this new way of consuming.
0: Yeah so you mentioned hard to launder fabrics Could you just expand a little bit more on that so what kind of fabrics um, are you are you seeing or, or have you found from your research is uh, some of the hard to launder fabrics?
1: So I think it's really difficult because there's a bit of a tension here. So natural fibers, um, not cotton, but some silks um, can be really difficult to launder, especially if they're light colored. So say, imagine a silk dress, um, you can't put it on a high temperature wash um, without having, a, you know, potential damage to the fabric's look or feel. Um, so that's a challenge. Um, hard to launder in terms of having em- embellishments and sequins and things like that. So beaded items, sequined items, they're really difficult to, to wash. I mean, um, I think it's, they're normally dry clean only. So if there's any mark, then that's automatically going to be um, an expense to the business to, to launder effectively. Um, and also, you know, beaded fabrics, as I said, are really difficult to mend. Um, and it's really obvious when, when they've been worn and stretched and damaged. Um, so that's another thing. Broken zips is one of the biggest problems Um for rental companies, because zips break easily, and they can be quite difficult to to fix um, subtly. So that's one that I know Rent the Runway really had a challenge with was was um, with zips. So there's there's a real balance by getting the service correct, but also providing the items that the consumer wants.
0: Yeah, because I'm just thinking about how how much kind of that could potentially limit the options available. Because you talked about like a silk dress. So like for a wedding, you might think, oh, actually, I would love something that's pastelly that I can kind of, if, especially if, if it's like a summer wedding and um, that I can wear and maybe I want to rent that. But then because it's like a very light color, it's silk. That could present so many like challenges um, kind of for the company or, or for, for contamination, really. So
1: well, it's exactly quite interesting. I- dresses at the moment are designed to be bought not to be rented so again it goes back to how can we include the design phase in these new circular business models so perhaps there should be um, rental companies looking for exclusive um, items to be designed for rental Mm -hmm. um, so that these things are taken in mind Um, and again yeah one size does not fit all I think buying you know getting an expensive dress and then renting out it's not necessarily always going to work Um, you need to think carefully about the product itself. Um, So yeah, I think there's quite an interesting tension there. And again, it goes back to kind of this under-researched area of, you know, how do we choose the correct products?
0: Um, Are there specific companies that are doing things that you you think, actually, this is really interesting to address some of the issues around rental? um, And what about them is kind of that good practice?
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of companies are really in the experimental phase. Um, as, you, as you know, there's so many small startups apply, uh, um, arising which are focusing on kind of rental and sharing. So I think it's really difficult to draw exa- good practice examples from clothing rental companies themselves. I mean, one thing to acknowledge is that tuxedo rental and fancy dress rental has been going on for years and years. So it's not a completely new phenomenon. But I think what would be interesting for companies to look at is to identify other industries where there's really good practice with managing contamination so the one the one example i think of is think when think about when you're at a hotel you know that's that's a kind of industry where contamination is you know really could be problematic but hotels manage contamination really well so there's many signals around you to tell you that the room's being cleaned for instance when you arrive so they have these what we call signals of cleanliness so one is you know the little toilet roll you know kind of Folded in a certain position to tell you that you know that's a brand new toilet roll and no one's touched it before the other thing is they have the kind of paper coasters under the glasses in the bathroom or beside the bed and you know folded over towels you know certain these are what we call signals of cleanliness so I think what the rental industry needs to do is identify what the signals of cleanliness could be for them so I think um, companies need to explore this and experiment um, with kind of what kind of procedures and processes work and what's successful with customers. Certainly from what I've seen is customers really like the unboxing. So having, you know, the kind of white tissue paper. So it almost feels like it's new, having a new label attached to kind of tell you about the item, um, which would also signal that, you know, it's been to the central processing unit, it's been cleaned, it's been, it's been checked. So I think it's, about experimentation at this stage, so finding out what signals of cleanliness could exist for rental.
0: As a life team usually do at the end of their episodes, here are the key takeaways from this episode. One, provide a consistent service.
1: This means consistent cleaning processes, reminding the consumer of the consistent um, cleaning processes, good unwrapping and unboxing experiences, and also consistent smells.
0: Two. Pick your laundry service or approach well.
1: There's lots of instances where the consumer has tried rental for the first time and actually found laundry detergent used by the rental company has, has been really strong and had a kind of a chemical smell. So, even though ironically that was meant to decontaminate the garment, it's actually caused another kind of contamination incident in itself.
0: Three, be transparent about your cleaning processes. Share that information widely where present and future customers will see it. Four, Make unboxing a lovely experience. Five, avoid hard to launder fabrics like light coloured silks if you can. And the bonus tip, develop partnership with designers so you have access to collections that are made for rental. Rental companies like Unloan, who just launched a partnership with Mother of Pearl, might be on the way there. A massive thank you to Rebecca for being on the podcast this week and for sharing insight from her research. And thank you for listening. As I said at the top of the episode, Subscribe to the Impact Fashion Podcast if you're enjoying it. Leave a review if you fancy it. And if you have questions or suggestions for future guests, let me know. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at ImpactFashionUK. All word. See you Friday.